The Money Show. Other people's money. Tapping your feet, I don't know where you live. I don't know what happened to your Rocco de Villiers. That's him, by the way. He's a South African pianist, a producer, a composer, a musical director, and apparently a cocktail connoisseur. At this time, we'll talk about cocktails. Uh, Rocco de Villiers, um, were you a kid who had to be dragged to music lessons, or did you go voluntarily? Uh, um, I started playing piano. Um, actually, uh, I was bored, so I was told by my family. So I asked the... the um, the, the fantastic man was looking after me when I was a little boy to break the lock of the piano, and that's how I started playing. But it took a while before my mom realized that, you know, she thought this child must maybe uh, start to, to get proper lessons, and, and that's how it started. I was about four years old, so I was not never dragged. My, my parents never told me to... Um, uh, practice, do my scales, nothing of the sort. They just left me and and actually my piano teacher also, she never asked me to do anything. I did it myself and then presented her with um, a piece every Monday morning at 9.40. I had my piano lesson at school. So many kids are kicked dragging, or uh, kicked screaming, dragged kicking and screaming. There we go, I'll get my words together. A drag kicking and screaming to music lessons. They're, they're forced to do music. They're forced to do music because their parents wish they'd done music. Is there an argument to be made for kids to be encouraged um, ferociously to, to do music lessons? I think the word encourage is the, is the the right way to go. I think every child um, in the world um, must have uh, some other music lesson, whether it's guitar, piano, singing, because I think it, it works on your fantasy world. You learn to think about other things. And I think it's a, it's a good, it, it should be like sport, but it doesn't work like that in real life. But I think... Um, uh, have a ta- having a talent for for music or art or any 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 uh, 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 part of the art world, it's when you see that in a child, you must sort of help them, but never force because, you know, uh, uh, when I uh, was at school, a lot of children were were dragged, like you said, to to piano lessons, and then there were, were these terrible teachers who used to hit them over the knuckle. <laughs> that was then. That was then. It was a different time. I don't. I don't think it beaten. Still, I hope not. No, no, no. Um, with the rule, and that will kill. You know, if if that happened to me, I won't even listen to music. Let yeah. alone play. So I think it's important to to recognise talent in a in a in a child, but never force them to do that. You know, you don't have to play piano, but if if you can do it for a couple of years, that's, that's a good thing. Are you mathematically inclined? There's a theory, a strong theory, and I think quite a plausible theory that much of music is mathematics, much of mathematics is music, and the patterns are similar, and you've, you know, uh, were you good at maths? Yes, I was. I I had uh, three A's in, in, in matric. Um, I was Afrikaans, um, and, and mathematics and music. So, and I think music is, is, is like maths and the other way around, especially when you 
listen to the music of, of Bach, of Jan Sebastian Bach, it is literally like, but all music, you know, the meat of it, four, four, or three, four, it's, it's exactly like mass. Okay, well then, uh, thank you for confirming the theory. Um, talk to me about money. Did Rocco grow, grow up in a in a in a house that had had resources, had good money? Absolutely not. My my dad worked for the municipality. And which which, we which municipality was this? Which place? Where did you grow up? In the Free State. I grew up in Harry Smith. In, in, in Harry Free Smith. Gotcha. Free State. Very cold. It's the second coldest town in South Africa. So my dad worked for the municipality, and we were middle class, middle everything, Dutch reform people who, who went to church every Sunday morning, gave our tenth, and and um, from month to month we calculated our money, and that's how we lived, and and that is how, what I was taught about money. You you work and then you get something and then you use it for whatever you need and then you wait for another month and you work again. So I was never taught about investment and those kind of things. <laughs> I mean, going to do a music degree, in many cases, getting a music degree gets you incredibly well qualified to teach small children who don't want to learn to play music. Um, you, however, have commercialized your musical degree and your musical experience in a way that very, very few people in South Africa have. I mean, you became musical director at Club 58. It was apparently, um, I don't know if it still exists, but a cabaret venue in in Hillbrow, that was in the early 1990s. And since then, you've become really well-known as a standalone musician. You've traveled, you've toured, you you play really good, heartfelt, upbeat music. You're a, 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 a sort of... What a, am I allowed to say sort of Elton Johnish in your performance? I mean, you, you like the drama of the music. You like to show off a little bit when you play. I don't know about show off. I like the package. I, I think um, uh, even when I studied music, um, I didn't really fit in um, with the other classical um, uh, musicians because I already then, when I was 18, 19, had a sense that I want to present not only the music, but also the lights, my costume, what I have to say about the music, maybe have something in front to sell. Um, I always had that, that kind of entrepreneurial a world in mind and that is never taught when you study music you know um, before the pandemic i was asked to do a couple of talks all over south africa at music schools i was heavily criticized um for what what i said because my opening line was it's as important to learn how to write out an invoice as it is to learn your scales and i wish someone told that uh, when I was a student, because I learned that very, very, very late in my career, too late. Um, because when you write out an invoice, doesn't matter how good or bad you are, you put a value to what you do, and um, also you realize what you are worth. So, but I always liked the drama. Yes, of course. I'm not saying I'm not the Elton John. I think um, if you really want to, I'm more in. <laughs> in the direction of Liberace. I was, I was going there. I was, that was next. That, that was next. I mean, I don't know what it is about piano players. I mean, it's a beautiful instrument and you can be truly dramatic on it, but there has to be extra flair added to, uh, added to the, the, the playing of, of the piano. But what, what was so offensive to these music schools that you were pointing out the, the harsh and brutal realities of life? Were you undermining the art? Were you commercializing 
um, I don't, I, you know, surely you want your musicians to be as successful as they possibly can be. It can only be good for the advancement and the uh, and people wanting to to play music. You know, I think it's slowly changing, but there will always be a part of the the art world and the music world who, who when when you get money for it, you're not a real artist. I don't understand that because you have to suffer for your art or you have to be poor. Um, um, it has, you have to be suffer your whole life. And then when you're dead, then they <laughs> can say how fantastic you are, but he, he only had one year or whatever is. I don't want to be, be like that. You know, I, I, I don't want to, uh, one day dine in a newspaper say, Oh, he wanted to have fun, but never had fun. Um, or he was extremely talented but lived in a garage. I'm, I, I'm not like that, and I was never like that. And I also like nice things too much. So. I want to talk about those nice things in a moment because you've been very commercially successful. Um, and we'll talk a bit about lockdown and how tough that's been because you're not only a player of music, you also are a producer of stage productions, of course, your own stage productions. You also are the co-owner and co-director of Third Ear Sound with Kutuano Masorte, um, who's well-known in Joburg music circles as well um and i mean this this you are you have many strings to your bow literally uh, but as a piano player of course uh, we our guest this evening is rocco de villiers the pianist the composer the musical director talking about the benefits of music of course the mathematics of music and commercializing that music and then some expensive tastes i can't wait more in a moment the money show other people's money Years from now, hopefully when we're through COVID-19 and we've got vaccinations and everybody is vaccinated and we've gone back to going to concerts and festivals and having fun, 2020, 2021, possibly 22 will be remembered as an era where the fun died. It really did. There's been so little fun, at least outside the home anyway. How's your how's your lockdown been, Rocco? I mean, have you managed to um, keep busy? Have you managed to keep commercially active during this time? Oh, I don't know where to start with this. Okay. Um, I try to, from, from the beginning, to do what one can to keep your, your profile out there. And that, of course, started with online shows. But online shows died very quickly because um, I think, and I'm, I don't want to criticize my colleagues, but I think a lot of people presented online shows of bad quality. You know, if you lie in your bed and you, you stream a show from via your cell phone, um, I, 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 I can't do that. And I, a lot of uh, uh, artists uh, did those shows for free and then um, there was a barcode at the bottom of the screen and then you could donate money. Um, I didn't want to do that because as I said earlier, I, I know what the value of my work is. So I, all my online shows were produced properly. We shot it with four cameras and I asked a, 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 a fee like I would have asked if you come to see my show, you go to copy ticket and you buy a ticket. In fact, I use copy ticket for all my, but unfortunately the, the, the online show thing didn't carry on very long, but by then we could do shows again. And you know what? Um, when we, I think it was level three or yeah, we, I could do shows for 50 people. And I will never forget my assistant one Wednesday morning said to me, we have so many small towns in, in, in South Africa asking, will you please come and do a show for them 
What do you want to do? And I sat down and I calculated and I thought, if I can do 80 shows for 50 people that can pay some money and I make them happy and I know that I cement that fan base so that when uh, we get back into the real world and we can entertain in a, in a, a proper way again, I know those people will, will come back. So that is what I did. And um, I just have to say I have so much respect and, and I take my hat off for someone like um, Sebongele Ngoma who who at the Artscape offices sat down and said, we have to uh, get more people um, into theatres, you have to change this. Um, I think it was a, a fantastic idea to do that. But I tend to do things. I think, um, you know, the, uh, on Saturday I did a show again for 100 people in Pretoria. And I just think if, I mean, a 400-seater people, it would have been sold out for 400 people. All that I do now is I do four shows. 400 people yeah. i am um, i pass out afterwards because <laughs> i've done that show four times. but i think that is what i have to do for now and it will get better you know there's a virus it will it will pass it it, it will get better and yeah i, I mean you've that. got you've got to preserve the brand you've got to preserve brand integrity and you've got to keep your fans um remind keep reminding your fans that you exist and that you are there for them because right now what you're doing it's not for you, it's for them. Um, you're giving and hopefully you're covering your costs and, um, and you're able, able to, to, to keep moving and keep, and keep going. You talked about having expensive tastes earlier. This is my favorite bit. I, I like small Indiana skeletons. I like finding out, um, what people who are household names like to spend their money on. Um, if, if let's assume we're post COVID and uh, your bank balance is restored and your debt is paid down and, uh, and you're back to sort of pre COVID concert levels and everybody's having a Joel again, what are you looking forward to spending money on again? On uh, air ticket to New York, and then um, is that your favorite city on earth? What do you like about it? Yes, I like New York because I like cities, that's why I also like Hong Kong, um, international cities where everything is available 24 7. I, I like that idea of a city where it's up to the consumer to decide for what he or she wants whenever they want it. Um, I want to go to New York when, 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 when it's all over. Then I want to have a list of my 10 favorite bars from <laughs> Benelman, top of the standard. And I want to consume as much cosmopolitan as my body can possibly take. And then I want to sit with my friends and go to nice restaurants and museums. And maybe if I can go to as many uh, shows on Broadway. Yeah, but I mean, it's just the, the good life. I mean, do Cosmopolitans differ? You talk about going to your 10 favorite bars. You, you're described um, in your write-up as a, a cocktail connoisseur, uh, somebody who is a fan of the cocktail. Is a Cosmopolitan a Cosmopolitan is a Cosmopolitan, or are there subtleties? In No, it's like a, a whiskey. It's not a whiskey. It's not a single malt. Um uh, uh, Cosmo is is a, a very old-fashioned drink. You, you know, it's one of the first drinks that that, that um, sort of came from the uh, uh, in America when they had the prohibition. What's know, the basic recipe? Um, uh, vodka, cranberry juice, real um, uh, uh, lime juice, and Cointreau. And uh, it's a pinkish drink. And, and for the listeners who uh, were fans of Sex and the City, that was their favorite yes. drink. 
But they differ. So it's it's all to do with the mixology. It's all to do with the art. It's also, I'm sure, to do with the atmosphere of the particular bar that you're in at any one time that will affect the experience of having the Cosmo, for goodness sake. And the size of the glass, I <laughs> <laughs> so I mean the thing is you, you're not you're not averse to living the good life. Do you invest money or are we going to have to refer you to Kim Potrita, our guest at quarter past seven in the midlife money makeover, or will you be okay to have cosmos until you can't sip any more? I think there's a fine balance with that. But I just have to go back a, a couple of steps. When when you mentioned Club fifty eight where I worked when I came mm. to Johannesburg. That was 1989. And I remember I worked for 400 rand a week. That was my salary. And after the second month, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to end up like my father who worked from week to week or or month to month. month. I have to do something about this. And a man called Chris Seabrook came to the the club one night. (laughs) And he said to me, you're going to become very famous, but you have to try and do something with the money, you know, the track record of, of pianists, apart from Liberace and, 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 and um, Richard Tladerman, isn't very good when it comes to money. And it sort of stuck in my head, but then I couldn't do anything because I didn't have any money. And I remember I took my second paycheck and I didn't eat for a week and I had a, a proper photo shoot done by Adele Hamlet because I knew my the photo shoot will enable me because then a, 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 a proper photograph was like a business card. You know, that would enable me to do other things so that I can make more money. And then I realized, but if I produce my own stuff and then I can make more money and then I can invest that. But the investment and the idea of it came very, very late in my life because I didn't understand. Remember, I was from that family that I told yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's the point. But Chris Seabrook, I mean, did you keep in touch with Chris Seabrook? Because Chris Seabrook, of course, um, one of the wealthiest I, people in South Africa, the founder of Sabvest. I mean, are you invested in his funds? Um, no, I didn't. But he gave me some tips. Whether they worked <laughs> is a whole other story. But um, I... I was never taught about, about investment. You know, my, my, there was no guidance. But in a way, I the lack of guidance that I had when I was a little boy sort of taught me to do other things and not. Yeah. I, I, I I I like luxury because you asked me about luxury, but I also don't. You know, at one stage I, I did a very big job. Rocco, Rocco, the time, the time. Time. 20 years ago, I did a very big job and I bought a Mercedes. Um, uh, Are you still and driving it? And I, no, no. And oh. I sold it to buy a, a, a brand new uh, concert grand. That is what you call investment in your career. And well, that's it. You're investing in your tools of the trade. Rocco de Villiers, I wish we had more time. We never have enough time. Rocco de Villiers, other people's money, composer, um, pianist, musical director, fabulous guest this evening, and also somebody who should have listened a bit more closely to Chris Seabrook a little earlier. Thank you, Rocco de Villiers.